I've seen that fish before, ladies and gentlemen. It's another episode of the Dying Alive podcast. This week, the Penguins Jekyll and Hyde start to the regular season. Everybody's hurt again. And we'll take a look around the National Hockey League in a moment to appreciate Mike Lane. It's Dying Alive. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic Pittsburgh. Joined by, may I mention, a coughless Mike Darnay from Pennsburg.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. I am feeling better finally, I think. Yeah. I was convinced personally that mesothelioma was the cause of your illness, and I feel that as though that you may have been entitled to financial compensation. I was going to have our other co-host, Mr. Patrick Damp from the Pennsburg.com Esquire, represent you in the case. Hello, Patrick. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm, as always, happy to be here. You sound so genuine about it, too. Um, all right, look, I'm going to just get this away. Might as well start with the damn funeral. Uh, I'm a, the worst part, and I think we can all agree with this, the absolute worst part of Vinny Malkin being injured is the fact that he looked so good. Yeah, I feel particularly bad after he talked all offseason about how it was his worst year and he wanted to come back and show that was an anomaly. Depending on your source, it's a soft tissue or soft body injury. Patrick, which one are you going with? Well, we all know Evgeny Malkin's not soft, so I'm going with soft tissue. He doesn't have a soft body. Come on, let's get real here. That's fair. What what exactly get is real. a soft body injury? Not sure. <laughs> not sure. Some speculated that meant groin. I could, uh, yeah, if you look at the way he kind of fell he had the one leg forward the other back and then kind of went into the boards i could see that it's almost as if he got hit mid-celebration yeah it's like a celebration stance yeah it was awkward all around that's, I mean, it was... that's what i have to offer it was awkward all uh, around. i mean it, anyway i know it got confirmed sort of today that it wasn't uh a knee issue or a knee injury which is always good given his history of knee injuries. But it, that was my first thought when I saw it, the way he got hit, the way he went into the boards, the way his legs looked when he got hit, that my first thought was that's a knee injury and then comes comes out this evening that it's not. So thankful for that at least. Um, yeah, and, uh, well, I was going to say I'm glad to hear it. We're looking at reportedly a month because the – first thought when it was longer term was like months and months which means that nick bukestad's two to three weeks yeah i think that's what we'd be led right? to believe here right i think if we can read between the lines as it were uh that's probably what we're left with what i mean when you look at sullivan's history the way he talks uh to reporters when it comes to injuries longer term usually means a month or more and long term usually means three four weeks well, and then he, he well, he specifically clarified today that uh, Bugstad would be out for less time than Malkin, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, say we, got, we, who knows? We don't even know what's wrong with Nick Bugstad. So, and that's the thing is like, how's top seeker of the Penguins about this? Like, I feel like every year they push the envelope of what they can keep under wraps, and and I'm not. I personally don't care one way or another, you know, I mean, if nothing else at the very least, and there's no quantifying this, but at the very least, uh, you know, you're protecting the, 
you know, the player. So, right? did, so did they not specify any upper lower with Bugstad? Uh, to my knowledge, no. I think it was both lower body injuries. Okay, it may. I don't recall. That's how innocuous it is. I can't even remember. Soon enough, so and so is just going to be out with a body injury. Yeah, we can't even confirm if he exists. <laughs> yeah, that that day's coming where it's like, can you? Uh, can, hi, Mike. Could you um, let? Could you give us an update on the injury to Chris Letang? Poomst Among Us is not truly day to day. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, well, look, we, can't, hey, uh, we, you can't, we can't confirm nor deny the roster spot of Chris Letang and if there's ever been a Chris Letang to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The good news here is that we all survived the uh, absolute world-ending season opener. I've had some time whoa, to marinate. Whoa, hold on. Did they play again after that? Because I was led to believe that was fucking done. That was game. That was season. Start selling the farm. Start selling the assets and just pack it the hell in. Two people, uh, unironically, tweeted and incorrectly spelled um, the name of potential future first-round draft picks to me after that game was over. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's... Really, you know, in all the years the three of us have been watching hockey and being around hockey, we all know that there is a lot of value in one single 60-minute game. It's the ultimate sample size. That's why stats are per 60. (laughs) Um, I mean, and let's be honest, like the the Penguins are crap. I think – Having a day or two, you know, well, several days to marinate on it, a part of it, I think, comes from the fact that it was the opener, right? So at home, you're expected to have some pop. Um, you know, th- there's the anticipation of the season. Buffalo is a team that plays uh, very methodical hockey. Uh, I-, I think credit to their staff for taking. A, a group of players that has talent in it and getting them to, you know, play a very basic day one style uh, that's predicated just on athleticism and speed and, you know, fundamentals. Um, the Penguins played that game uh, like they were damn determined to score goals however in the hell they wanted to. <laughs> and I think that that's often the, 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 the recipe when things go wrong. I, is, I, believe, it, I believe it was Matt Vensel from the Post-Gazette tweeted this during the game he said in a way this feels like game five of the islanders series yeah a lot of people made that reference to me um and i and and i mean who's just there's no disagreeing with that you know i mean the as far as symptoms were concerned um you know nothing seemed to be uh, cured in any fashion um so you know i i get it you know i i I get the frustration you know you, you kind of expect maybe slash want um, things to change or to work out a certain way and, and or play out a way that you anticipate. Um, but, 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 you know, it was, it was freewheeling. It was just, it was that old. And what I thought not to cut you off, Mike, what I thought was ironic was what a day before that, uh, or two days before that post Sabres, uh, end of preseason, Mike Sullivan's got the team run and odd man break drills and practice saying, well, if you're going to allow five a game, we better start getting used to this. 
well, coach, five was you way undershot the total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, it, don't go to Mike Sullivan for advice on over unders. Yeah, yeah. If you're heading to the sports book, don't. Uh, if Mike, if, if Sully gives you an over under, just disregard. But the one thing that I noticed between the Sabres game and the Blue Jackets game was, and, and not to put too fine of a point or oversimplify, the Penguins played a more simple game against the Blue Jackets than they did against the Sabres. You know, I know they're not a dump the puck in deep all the time and chase it, but you look at how there's a handful of new players that were signed in free agency or acquired via trade. You have a couple of guys who were acquired at the deadline or right before the deadline of last year. They're still kind of getting into the swing of playing on the Penguins and finding chemistry with other players on the roster. So they come out against Buffalo, and I don't know if it's an underestimation of the Sabres, if it was just something going on between the ears, but they tried to do too many things. Like, you know, the breakout was a little more they try to be a little more complex on the breakout out of the D zone and you know, it's a turnover and Buffalo holds possession and Buffalo gets another shot. Uh, they try to carry it all the way through the neutral zone and pass the blue line, which I know part of that's in their game, but on the opening night with a relatively newish roster, put the puck in, go get it, get to work, keep it simple. And then they did that against Columbus. And now we can't under, undersell that Columbus is not a good hockey team. So real quick, uh, just a note about your, your comment uh, with regards to the Buffalo game um, and, and specifically trying to get out of the defensive zone. Uh, You know, everybody talked about the fact that the Penguins had 17 giveaways in that game. Right. And giveaways is something you always have to be careful about because not every NHL arena scores them the same way. I mean, uh, if they had 17 at home, you know that's bad. Exactly. To your point, okay, in this case, yes. But what I mean is over the course of like a long period, maybe it evens out. But, you know, in the smaller doses, maybe it's a little bit more volatile. What's always volatile. But long story short, I went back and looked at the 17 turnovers. And they were pretty much all exclusively along the wall in the defensive zone. And, and you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, Buffalo hasn't reinvented the wheel out there. Uh, and what they do is they attack the puck side of the ice. They're fast. They can forecheck. That's what they're good at. Credit to the staff for having them play that way. They have a good coach. Um, and, and I'm all for uh, using the wall as an outlet. I mean, anybody, you know, that's always an effective strategy, uh, especially when you're under pressure. You could use the, the wall really as a teammate in a lot of ways. Um, but when the other team's selling out there, um, you've got to make some, you got to make a move, you know, you, you got to do something. And, and, you know, specifically, I think, uh, a lot of and Marcus Pedersen in particular switched the play, reverse the play, throw the puck on the other side of the ice and create a foot race. You know, you saw him do that a couple times, but that, that constant sort of presence of working out of that pressure wasn't there. Um, and, and I always find that to be ironic because the Penguins forecheck the hell out of the other teams, you know the defense is facing that in practice. <laughs> so it's like this is your environment, and, and we're still um, you still look lost. But to your point, uh, for all the warts that you saw on opening night, I mean, you saw enough on 
uh, game two against Columbus. Uh, granted, Elvis uh, never really entered the building, save for the first period. He was bad. Yeah, good Mike Lang pung for you there. Um, but uh, anyway. I mean, he gave up, what, four, I think four goals through the six hole? That has to be close to right if it's not right. Um, well, I mean, you look at all the goals that were scored on him on the glove side. They hit his glove and went. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's one way yeah, of looking bet- at it. Between between those goals on the glove side and I think everything that was blocker side went right through the six hole. It was just not good. And then, I mean, like, I don't want to discredit Teddy Bluger in any way, shape, or form, but like, uh. uh was not, that, was, that was a goal that was scored on a goalie who had absolutely zero confidence that night. It was like it was like scoring on a human goalie on NHL online when they're not paying attention. Yeah. Man, how how like back in the day like when when NHL online like what like 2010 to 2012, you know, when it was kind of in its heyday before it got real lame. How like much did you lick your chops? How about you just at goalie? me next time, pal? <laughs> What? I still play NHL online all the time. Well, no, I, that's fine. I mean, I have a ton of friends that do. I mean, like, I just bowed out. I bowed out gracefully. That's all. Yeah. I don't disparage you. What I'm saying is, is how much did you lick your chops when you got a human goalie? It was like sharks and like, oh, it was the you, best. You, 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 Everybody you, just abandoned their position you, and you just always helping. goalie and you're like, all right, boys, just shoot every time you get the puck. Yeah. Yeah, it made it so much more fun. But I, I will, I, I will add into what you were saying though about Bluger. That's good awareness by te, uh, by Bluger though. You know, a goalie's a goalie's struggling on any given night. The coach and the team will say ad nauseum, "Just put the pucks on net. He's not feeling it. Put the pucks to the net. It's gonna. There's gonna go yeah. in." Yeah. What, what What was your take on uh, Crosby getting a little feisty? Man, you hate to see it because it's, if he gets it's hurt, stupid. it's very stupid. But at the same time, like kudos to him, first of all, for having the self-awareness afterwards to be like, I gotta be honest with you. I have no idea what I'm doing out there. Yeah. And then Eric and Branson was like, look, that may be true. However, he did a good job because <laughs> Eric and Branson was like, basically, if you don't know what you're doing, the base, the best thing you could do is to get it like a, you yeah, know, a r- leverage r- advantage and yeah, just render them. Yeah. Up, take them down. Yeah. Well, and he's that, like, in that sense, he did a great job. <laughs> that also shows you how stupid strong Sidney Crosby is because Dubois had, what, three, four inches on him? And Sid was just like, nope, I am going to wrestle you right to the ground and it's not going to look like a damn thing to me. But you know what? Look, look I know I'm going to be like one of the hockey men for a second. But like you had Malkin chirped the team you know, after the first game. And, and and he could do that because he was the best player, I think. Right? I mean, I think the criticism is louder when it comes from the guy who, you know, looked the best in the bunch. Yeah, pl- played the best, scored the only goal for your team. Sure, sure. And then you know, at a tense moment in the game, you know, you have Crosby um, kind of just going at it right out of the gate. And then people always like, there's still always some jamoke from New York that wants to like poo-poo their leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, like some jabroni talking about legacies and shit. Um, let that be a lesson about your goddamn legacy. Um, yeah, like I think I think it's fair to think that it's foolish, but also th- imagine what the bench was thinking at that point. Okay, thank you. Right? Yeah, the, exactly. The, I mean, I'm not advising that he do it, but in the it, it, you know, consider 
consider the result A and then B, consider the brevity of the situation as far as, you know, the, the weight of it being him. Yeah, know? if you're some and, other guy sitting on the bench, you're like, all right, let's go. Yeah, the, yeah. the reaction of the bench is like a is basically a record scratch moment. Like it starts off as, oh, hell yeah, Sid, go out there and get him. And then somebody pulls the needle off the record and they go, wait, why the fuck is Stan Mush. <laughs> Sidney Crosby is fighting. <laughs> you wondering how I got here. But they're just like, wait a minute. Why is Sid fighting? And why did we let that happen? Yeah. And it, it, it serves as kind of a wake-up call to some of the other guys on the bench to go like, wait a minute. He's not the guy to be doing this. Another nicest, one of us needs to do it. Nicest goal from that game. Uh, Horn, got seven to pick. Hornquist's second goal, but it's because of the way Sid took the puck between his legs. <clears throat> I would vote for um, Jared McCann's second goal. I did a little breakdown of it on Pennsburg. Um, not so much the goal itself, Galchenyuk's backhand saucer pass. Um, but in addition, the way the Penguins transitioned from a missed shot from Zach Wierenski to making a four on two and taking advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this a while. I, I'm just partial to McCann's first goal. That's him deciding just to shoot it on a three on one, right? Yeah. No, that's a decisive move that he, that's a, I mean, he looked, he looked really, he looked really good in that game. And, but if you pay like close attention to like his posture and like, yeah, the way he looked, you know, I don't know. I thought that was uh, there was a lot of subtle things he did to kind of just make it look simple. I guess. And with, with today's news, they're going to need him stepping up yeah. for well, the next month. And if I can add on to kind of what you're saying, Jesse, um, I know there was a bit of a debate a few weeks ago when we were, when on Twitter when people were talking about Jared McCann's productivity and how between a couple of shorthanded goals and a couple empty net goals, they're, they're not goals you can really put in the expected category when it comes to analytics because they're even more random than goals themselves, regular five-on-five five goals. Jared McCann does some does little things like you were saying really well. One, two of his empty net goals, he positioned himself and his stick to make the defender bearing down on him think that he was going to pass, which gave him an open lane to hit the empty net. And he did something similar on that first goal to where he made the defender think twice about, wait, is he going to shoot or is he going across to the guy with him or is he dropping it back? And when he eventually fired the puck on net, it didn't take them by surprise but it created enough hesitation from the defenseman and the goaltender that the shot could find an opening. Yeah. And I, you know, I think whether you look at it, you know, we get the data side, you know, uh, as well that, you know, basically backs up that he's the kind of guy that's going to help drive uh, opportunities, especially from an expected goals perspective um, and push and scoring chances. And I think that, you know, from the onset of the trade, you saw him do that on the ice and creating individual opportunities and I think really going one-on-one with guys and coming out in the better, you know, I think from a size perspective, maybe you don't think that you you don't envision him uh, as being as good uh, in in the boards and in front of the net as he is, but I think it's just a bonus aspect to his game. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think I think what Mike said is also spot on. They're going to need him to step up. And if the game against Columbus is any indication, he's put himself in a position to where there's no reason for us to think he won't. I'm going to throw a couple players at you guys. And you give me a blurb. So far, we've got two games, right? Go on. Ready? I know the first one is going to be uber popular with Brandon Tanev. Much better than I expected. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Much better than I expected, which I think the general consensus was low expectation just because of how poorly received the signing was given the term, not the dollars. Um, but uh, cautiously optimistic moving forward is how I'll put it. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um but I also think he's been a surprise in the sense that he's been better than expected. But I also think it builds on what I said the last two episodes to where in the short term, I think he's going to be valuable and I think he's going to be a very good contributor for the team. I'm just not happy with the fact that he was signed for six years. Yeah, he drew three penalties in one game, I believe. Yeah, and uh, the first uh, game against Buffalo, that's correct. Yeah, and it's it's simply a product of he plays fast, aggressive hockey, which which fits right in with what the Penguins want. Okay, um, Eric Goodbranson. I haven't really noticed him, which for a third pairing defenseman is a good thing. I think in the times I've noticed him, he's done good things. He's moved the puck pretty well. He's helped get the puck out of the zone, and if he keeps doing that at least at a moderate rate, and I'm I'm satisfied. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Alex Gauchenyuk. Similar to the guy he was traded for, sneaky good vision. Yeah, um, probably one of the best players on the ice for the first two games. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. really is. Even the encouraging thing is him looking good independent of Mulgan. Yeah. That's, uh, That's a good sign. Uh, this one's a, just a gimme, but Matt Murray. He's the rock. Dude, unbelievable so far. Looking yeah. great. Yeah. Looking great. And that Sabres game, they lost 3-1, but it could have been a 6-1 game. I mean, there were some 10 bells in there. So um, I always think it's unfair in games like that when people tweet me and say he didn't steal the game. I mean, like, in order to do that, like, do you realize what he would have had to done? Like, what goalie in the league is stealing that game? You know, I mean, that's just. Listen, I know what to me I, is. I know what I'm about to say is painfully obvious, but with people like that, it needs said. He can't score goals. And I know, I know, yeah, that, yeah a goalie can steal a game to where he pitches a shutout or a one goal against kind of game. Eventually, your offense needs to show up, and against the Sabres, there was little to zero offense. Yeah. Um, big night tomorrow night, uh, and it's not only uh, because the absolutely volatile uh, Winnipeg Jets are coming to town, a team that um, will score five goals for every three that uh, – or allow five goals for every three that they score um, – but it's Mike Lang appreciation night. Now, I mentioned on the show last week when we were discussing the Sidney Crosby banner raising 
how disgusted it made me feel and how I wanted to die. Uh, and I feel the same way about tomorrow night. I'm excited. I love Mike Lang. I mean, he's the reason uh, that I love the sport. Think about it. I mean, we grew up with a Hall of Famer, a guy that uh, does it like nobody else does it. But uh, Father Time is there, and you know, I don't think he's going to drop, you know, and, and drop uh, uh, calling games anytime soon. Well, um, and especially with his abbreviated schedule. Uh, but damn it, you know, uh, nothing gold can stay, right? No, and he probably hates that they're having an appreciation night for him. I can imagine that that's true. Yeah, I can imagine that that's true. Yeah, and but the the good thing for those of us, which is every Penguins fan with a functioning brain. There's not too many of them. I know. That's kind of why I framed it like that. But did you know that in 1990 – uh, after the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, uh, they got off the plane. And if memory serves me correct, and I may be, I may be misquoting some of the characters, but I know that one of them was Tom Barrasso. Pretty sure one of them was Tom McMillan, <laughs> Mike Lang, and perhaps Mark Recchi were driving in a truck or some type of vehicle uh, off to somewhere with the cup and they ran out of gas uh, shortly after they got out of the airport in the middle of the night and they had to hitchhike uh, back to somewhere to a phone with the cup in the uh, back of a flatbed truck. <laughs> That's one of the best. And Mike Lang, like, like, dude, like, because the, 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 you have to realize the franchise was just so broken and busted for so long, you know? And here he is in the back of this truck with the Stanley Cup thinking like, yeah, this still sucks, but like, <laughs> yeah, got the cup, you know, like, who cares? You know what I mean? So, um, so quick, quick sidebar, not uh, Mike, Mike Lang related, but 91 Stanley Cup related. So because I'm a total nerd, a couple days ago, couldn't fall asleep. And I was like, you know what? I know the Penguins 50th documentaries on YouTube. I'll fast forward to when they... Draft Lemieux, and I'll fall asleep to it. And I get to the 91 Cup, and for those of you that listen that don't know, uh, I'm the last uh, about eight months I've been working for KDKA TV. And I'm watching the 91 Cup run, and then after they win it, and they get to the part where they're on the plane and coming back to Pittsburgh. And the, you know, they're saying how the players are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's a bunch of people at the airport waiting to greet us. Sure, sure, this is Pittsburgh. We're not the Steelers. Like, no, nobody's – there might be 20 people at the airport to say what's up. But as anybody who's seen that knows, like, thousands of people showed up at Pittsburgh International to greet the Penguins with the Stanley Cup. So I go – I'm watching it, and they go through that bit, and there was like a – two maybe three second clip where they show this reporter saying like as you can see there's thousands of people here waiting to to greet the penguins as stanley cup champions and and like i kept rewinding it kept rewinding it kept rewinding it because i knew the voice but it's footage from 1991 so it's blur kind of blurry kind of grainy you can't really make everything out i finally realized it's one of my coworkers, kdk reporter john shumway so i went up and asked him about it today and I was like, hey, was that you that went to Pittsburgh International to 
uh, interview to report on all the fans there that were going to greet the Penguins. You would have thought I was asking this guy a war story. He just goes, it was 1991. That was me like 30 years and 45 pounds ago. And you got to remember, that's when we still had cables and satellites and shit. So I had to slog all that stuff through a bunch of people. And people were trying to high-five me thinking I was one of the Penguins because I had a championship shirt. But here I am carrying cables and a camera. Like, what makes you think I just won the Stanley <laughs> Cup? <laughs> so, yeah, fun story. Um, fun story. Here's here's the exercise. I looked this up. Here's the uh, um, the story. If the Penguins expected to travel home in luxury the night they won the 1991 Stanley Cup, so I was a year, uh, I was a year off. Uh, they were sadly mistaken on the flight from Minneapolis to Pittsburgh. Uh, that was fine, but everything happened thereafter could be filed under the heading "comedy of errors." Uh, the club's travel coordinators were not prepared for the 20,000 fans who crammed into the airport and surrounded the team buses, which happened to be school buses. On the account of a planning glitch, <laughs> so the players wanted only to get to their cars, but the buses couldn't move amid all the people. Finally, the bus with the cup aboard took an alternate route simply to escape the airport. Um, Mike Lang, Mario Lemieux, Tom Barrasso, Paul Coffey, and Scotty Bowman uh, are on that bus. And then Tom Barrasso says, let's just go to my house and wait it out. So they sat on Tom Barrasso's lawn uh, with the cup until <laughs> so it started to get light out. And then he lived near a um, uh, – they, so they get back – so wait. They get back on the bus. The bus runs out of gas on a bridge. <laughs> so, they, so they couldn't even get the bus. So the bus is blocking traffic. So uh, then they start walking and there's a golf course nearby and these guys come by in the carts and they're like – they recognize the players and you're like, you guys want to ride? <laughs> You know, and uh, Mike Lang's like, to this day, I wonder if they still tell people that story. Like, you're not going to believe this. But, like, <laughs> I picked up Tom Barrasso and Mario Lemieux in a golf cart. Do you, do you um, think they strapped the cup in in the back? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then uh, the, so that same – the buses that had police escorts uh, and as things were moving slowly, um, everybody started to drink more on the bus. As and Mike was. Lang – yeah, and Mike Lang said this one woman yelled at the driver to stop, uh, and she just ran off up a hill to just go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then she's like, and Mike Lang's like, the next thing you know, like twenty five of our guys get off the bus, and he goes, then they didn't get into the woods, <laughs> so they're just standing out there in a row with like a thousand cars waiting behind them, just letting at it, you know. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was the uh, you know Mike Lang quote from that was uh, the the specific quote was um we may be stanley cup champions but we're still the penguins <laughs> that's that's a good quote yeah um i spent so long telling that story i think we'll use that and supplant the uh goal call i was going to use instead <laughs> that story is just as good so no, yeah no, yeah real quick let's 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 go through that real fast what what's some of your your guys favorite mike lang calls uh, the one uh, that I was going to queue up was uh, uh, from 8087. Uh, the Penguins were locked in a dead heat with the Devils and I think the Sabres uh, to try to get into the playoffs. It would have been Lemieux's first time. And they uh, they needed to win. They couldn't tie. They were in a position standings-wise. Uh, this was at the Cap Center, by the way, uh, the old Cap Center. Um they needed to, to win to get in. 
So, uh, in overtime, they pulled the goalie. And Lemieux, actually, funny story about that, had to convince Pierre Kramer, who was the coach, I believe, at the time, that they needed the two points, they needed to win in the standings more than anything uh, because they were watching the scoreboard in the cap center and they saw that New Jersey had won. And knew they knew at that point a tie wasn't going to do it. So the season's on the line and the Penguins are just having a whale of a time with no, they can't get Tom Barrasso out of the net. Um, it wasn't even Tom Barrasso. I don't even remember who the goalie was, but they can't get him out because they're stuck in the defensive zone. Um, so it's, it's still five on five and time is expiring. I mean, you're down to like sub 30 seconds. Um, when Lemieux gets the puck, he comes to the neutral zone and just gets assaulted on his way into the goal, like drugged down in the most flagrant fashion you've ever seen. No call. Uh, and basically scores with one hand and flips the puck uh, over the goalie and into the net, thus giving the Penguins the win and securing uh, their, for the time being, their spot in the playoffs. The reason no one ever talks about this goal, which I think is the greatest of Lemieux's career, is because the next night, uh, uh, the way things shook out and the games in hand, the Penguins didn't make the playoffs. Mm. So although that they had done their part, they still didn't get in. And it's remembered as like a pretty significant failure for how talented that team was. Uh, despite you know how good the division was and the teams around them were, um, you know, they probably should have gotten in, um, and they didn't. And because of that, nobody remembers the goal. But the Mike Lang call, I think, is unique because there's never really a time in his career where you've heard him find himself absolutely dumbfounded, uh, and that's exactly uh, what happens in this clip. He doesn't know how to describe it. Uh, to to anyone that's watching or listening, uh, and he basically just admits that to everyone. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> and it was just like, look, I, I don't got it. I don't know how he did it, and I'm out of words. And it was like, but he does it in a very uh, Mike Lang way. I was going to go with Stanley Cup Final 1992, Game 1. Mario Lemieux gives the Penguins a 5-4 lead. Now, if you remember, this is the game they went down 3 to nothing. I believe. We were talking about this goal, um, uh, if not last episode, then one super recently, yeah. Yeah, it was, our, uh, it was the one you and I did, the Penguins Memories one. And... He just lets it fly. Like, it's one of the most emotional comebacks in Penguins history. And you can just hear that you know he leaned back in his chair and just let it rip. Just, hey, shouts and scars. On right side, Murphy shooting, same eight rebound on the view. Given the Penguins the lead. 
Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say not even any specific one, but just those moments when it's late in the game, goal to put them ahead or goal to win the game, and he just lets it go. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone, uh, everybody that's going to the game tomorrow night, enjoy your bobblehead uh, and make the most of it and uh, make sure you give the man a long, well-deserved standing ovation. Before we uh, dive into uh, the old correspondence says, uh, there are just a few things we have to mention. Uh, number one is the Toronto Maple Leafs' inability to hold lead. Uh, they lose in a shootout in an embarrassing fashion against Montreal Canadiens Saturday and blow a 2-1 lead tonight to the St. Louis Blues. Um, hate to I, see it. I just, yeah, hate. Uh, that's, I mean, we don't have to say anything else. Oh, Drew well, Doughty. Real quick, real quick. Uh, we do have to say one other thing. I promise. I promise. It's worth it. Um, who, who was the shootout goal scorer for Montreal? Or the penalty shot goal Jeff scorer? Jeff Petrie. You know who the last Montreal Canadian to score on a penalty shot or sh- uh, on a penalty shot was? Am I correct in guessing that it had never happened previously? You are not correct. Ah. Last Montreal Canadian to score on a penalty shot? Yes. Alexei Kovalev. Nope. Um, it was a good guess though, right? Solid guess. Oh, I, Mike Camilleri, I have no idea. A little guy known as Maurice Rocket Richard. Holy shit. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Because if you think about it, you had like, how many talented forwards come through there? Right. It's just insane. I mean, I mean not, even, not even with the talent, but just the number of years that have passed since then. Yeah, Exactly. And I felt bad when Peter Sikora had never scored a hat trick. <laughs> um, the Hurricanes look great. I mean, they're, I feel like they're intentionally allowing teams uh, to take an early lead only to storm back. I don't know. Did you guys see that game against the uh, Lightning? Well, they, out- they outshot them like, what? 41 it to was, 13? It was like 30 to 2 over the last two periods. Well, yeah, because the Lightning, I think, had 11 shots in the first, no shots in the second, and two shots in the third. Yeah. Just an abs- like an absolutely dominating performance. I mean, it's not surprising when you factor in they brought back their team from last year and made several good additions. And that they're continuing to generate shots and scoring chances at a high rate without having a shit shooting percentage. Yeah, I mean, so they added, that's what they you added, get when you focus on process over results, folks. They added added Jake Gardner, added Ryan Dezingle. I'm pissed about the Jake Gardner thing. I really, I mean, especially <sighs> after it came after three months of nothing or two yeah. months of nothing. Um, Pat, do you want to do a dramatic reading for uh, Drew Doughty versus Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, let me, let me pull that up. <laughs> this is the first dramatic reading uh, for the year for Patrick, uh, who is the resident dramatic mm-hmm. reader of uh, the uh, Dying Alive podcast. So this is a quote. It's a quote from uh, Matthew Kachuk, correct? Got to make sure I get in character here. Um, Which one are you reading first? That's no, the question. Uh, the Eric Francis Oh, so. so 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 the first so it, okay so we're referencing our our rundown here now. <laughs> the first one 
Okay, is Drew Doughty talking? The second one is Matthew Kachuk talking. So I would read the Matthew Kachuk one first. Okay. Yeah. So the second one I would read first. I know. I'm. 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 Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. All right. I'm just. <laughs> He's a good player, and had a good career. Yeah. He's a good player. So then. Uh, in this, in the same media scrum, uh, when asked if um, he should respect a Norris winner like Drew Doughty, he says, <laughs> "I respect Geo. He's one of Norris." Oh man, what a biting quote! <laughs> so um, uh, this is Drew Doughty now talking about Matthew Kachuk, despite saying earlier the Kings did not want him to talk about Matthew Kachuk. We both know who the better player is. So, if he wants to compliment me first, I'll give him one back, I guess. Just baby stuff here. <clears throat> I'd be lying to you guys if I said I didn't love it. I don't even I, see. I don't. I, 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 here's the thing, Pat. I don't love it. I don't even care. I don't care. This doesn't move the needle for me at all. The the takeaway I have from it is. You have like a like a young player versus a true veteran. At some point, somebody needs to tell Drew Doughty that it's making him look worse. Yeah, like he's in his head. Yeah, you know it's a thing now. Like I, I feel like there's a there's a balance of who it looks worse on, and part of it comes with the fact that there's such a disparity between the two in age. We're also talking about Drew Doughty, the guy who felt the need to negotiate a contract without an agent like a dipshit. <laughs> like, I, I heard that take somewhere this week where somebody was like, yeah, they didn't have agents back then. I was like, yeah, and they lost a shitload of money. What's your point? <laughs> All right. Um, I think it's time to drop the beats. Michael, let us hear from the people. All the people have questions. And by the way, shout out to uh, all of you. Uh, Matt, um, who else was Laura? I think Laura crowdsourced the uh, uh, over-unders for us. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, Matt, Matt was like right on it first yeah. thing in the morning. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, Brad Smith asks, what's the largest animal you think you could fight and win or alternatively fight and survive? Hmm. Well, I think this I think is a I, difficult question. I think my ceiling is like Chihuahua. <laughs> hmm. I feel as though I could reasonably take on a turkey. A turkey? I'm not could, one bigger than that, though. I could fuck up a goose. That's about it. <laughs> I don't. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm taking the goose. I don't. Animals are terrifying. Did you guys see that video of the deer crashing through the, like, hair salon? No. No, I don't want to see it either. Oh, it's nuts. <laughs> uh, Mike asks, cold and flu season is coming up. Do you have any routines for when you're at home sick? Uh, first and foremost, get a fucking flu shot, you savages. 
Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't protect from all kinds of flu. And plus, like you could get bronchitis, you could get a sinus infection. Like there's any number of things that could also get you. I look, I'm getting a flu shot. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying it's not a cure all. Yeah, okay? as a, people as could a, still get sick. As a person who has probably spent more time over the last year immunocompromised than not, um, I. I don't have any good answers because I kind of – I haven't really shaken it. So uh, I uh, <laughs> I would say accept that you are sick, take a sick day, be lazy, and get the sickness out of watch you. The, you got to watch the prices, right? got to yeah. watch the price, dude. Yeah. God is what – that's going to make you feel better. Uh, Michael N. has two questions. That's First science. question, hockey-related. What sort of rain dance or blood sacrifice do we need to make so Jack Johnson is playing on another team? So I'm going to just change the question here because I want to know what kind of ritual we need to do to decurse PPG Paints Arena. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing. It's because of the the hospital. I don't think it's because of the hospital. I think it's because of the church. But it's bad that we we have to question this. Do we need to tear the church down? No, what I'm saying Absolutely is I'm, not. I'm <laughs> what I'm saying is is that uh, did they have to exhume any bodies in the building in the arena? It's where there's a church, there's always somebody buried. Am it's I a non, wrong it's here? A, this it's is a older guy. It's, it's, it's a non-zero, 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 chance. non-zero chance. So all I'm saying is you got to make amends. You know. I know Mario poured that water on the arena when it opened up. Should have been something else in that vial. Did um did either of you happen to get a thing of the Arena water when they I did, did not. That? I did not. No. It, I regret I, it in a, in a way. I have one. It's got all kind of schmutz in it now. <laughs> schmutz. <laughs> so I'll have to I'll have to find it and take a picture of it. Yeah, let's do that. Um Michael have, have Eric post that from the official account. Okay. Uh, Michael's non-hockey related question. What is the funniest way that you've quit a job? I don't have a story. Oh, I, I don't I, do. I don't have I don't have a story of my own, but I have a story of of somebody else. When I was working at Kennywood, there was this guy named Paul. Paul went on break and Paul just never came back. So there was like a month or two period in high school where I worked for the old Navy store in Monroeville. And their policy was basically if you can't work, you have to get somebody to cover for you. Like there was no like if you did if if you had if you knew you couldn't work that day or something came up, you'd have to find somebody to fill in for you. Well, I told them, like, hey, my hockey team is playing in a tournament over the week of Thanksgiving. These are the days I can't be there because I'll have games. They still scheduled me for one of those days. And I called the manager and said, I told you a month ago I cannot work this certain day. Why did you schedule me? And they basically gave me the tough shit, you're scheduled, you got to find somebody to cover. Similar to Mike's story, I just didn't show up, and I obviously got fired. 
So I had to go in and get my last paycheck. So on my way out, I made sure that there were a couple displays that got wrinkled and didn't have their jeans set up the correct way because I was a little pissed and I was 16. (laughs) (laughs) He wrinkled the jeans, folks. The very jeans he was trying to return. Trust me, they... That was like that. That was like that was like priority one, two, and three when you got trained. They're like the displays have to look good. They have to look good. They have to look good. So I was like, okay, see ya. I um I did once have someone. uh, uh, I know someone that disappeared on lunch and never came back. And then several weeks later, asked for a letter of recommendation. (laughs) Oh, that's so bad. See, the, fu- the funnier part about my story is Kenny would, would rehire everybody. So they rehired him the next year, and then he did the same thing the following year, and then they didn't rehire him after that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Aaron and Drew Dunn kind of have the same question asking what song you would choose as the goal song. Hot topic lately. Wait, what was the question? Uh, what song you would choose to use as the goal song? Not jump around. Yeah, uh, Drew mentioned "Shoot to Thrill" by ACDC. That's not a bad one. I, I don't. That's 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 yeah. off the cuff, so that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I'll say this much: I've said it to a couple people. I don't think "Jump Around"'s a bad idea for a goal song. It's just what Party Hard represented. Following it up with "Jump Around" is not a good choice. I, I just agree. I mean, like I. I you know, I respect the decision to change it, but I don't agree with the direction we've headed in. Like yeah. I'll, I'll say, like being at the opener when Gino scored, it actually did. Like you, like it, it had the it had the the party atmosphere you want from a goal song. It's just like I was so shell shocked that it wasn't party hard. Man, uh, Grigsy asks, "What was your drinking game of choice in your younger days?" I was a big flip cup guy. Super Beerio cart. Oh, what a mistake by me not picking that. Rules. Mario Kart. Standard four-person race. You cannot drink and drive at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, you got you to gotta pick your spots. And you have to finish your beer by the end of the race. So even if you win and if you didn't finish your beer, that means you didn't win. Yep. So, so were you more of a chug and race or pick your spots? Chug and then race because that meant you got all of the, uh, you know, the beer stars out of the and, way. and the beer yeah, out of the way. Right. And you got all the good stuff from the uh, boxes. So, yeah. Speaking of video, uh, drinking video games, me and my friends invented one for uh, Tiger Woods PGA 10. That'll kill you, though. Well, we all, I mean, we had like Rory drinking games and it was just too much. We only, we only ever played nine holes because we knew 18 would kill us. Oh, 18 takes way too long, too. Uh, speaking of golf, Hammer asks, how much worse would you play than your average round if you were paired with Mario Lemieux as your partner for the day? He says it'd be a minimum 10 strokes worse than a normal round. I can't. I don't have another 10 in me. Sorry, <laughs> <Why are you laughs> that bad. See, I would just say that he would definitely very obviously beat us, but like, I feel like I would play better just because there'd be that pressure of like, don't fucking embarrass yourself in front of you. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably. just try to play. I would just try to play good hard golf, to be honest. Yeah, like he plays it. If he misses left, I purposely miss left. Yeah, exactly. Well, I always miss left, so that works perfect for me. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Morgan asks, "My question is for Mike: Do you take your Fisher Price camera everywhere?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Dude, I do. I'm telling you right now, man. Listen, that is going in the Hall of Fame. The Dying Alive Hall of Fame for question. <laughs> Honest to God, I am stunned. I am stunned by that. that was, see, that, that was a fairly late submission, so I guess neither of you saw that. No. I didn't see oh that. I'm, I'm happy I didn't see it because I'm enjoying it organically. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm going to think about that question like tomorrow at work, and I'm just going to start giggling to myself. <laughs> but the answer is yes. My camera gear is always packed and ready to go. Uh, flagrant swag shout out to the handle again ask what's your favorite Halloween and or horror movie I'm not a big horror movie guy never have been I'm not either I do like the original Halloween I love I love horror Uh, I would not have expected that I mean Night of the Living Dead is just such a classic on Halloween for me whether you go color version or black and white, you can't go wrong for either one. Guess what? I, I don't even fucking say it. I, know, <laughs> I, I already know you haven't seen the movie. Mike, Bing. at this point in my life, I'm at, I'm at the juncture where I like I, I don't expect to you to, I don't expect you to have seen a movie. You just expect like you, me. You expect me you to be disappointed. Yeah, like if you say you've seen it, I'm gonna say, oh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But like I've lowered my expectations significantly for you. Fine. Whereas Patrick, I can go to and have like a normal conversation about movies. I want to point out real quick, and I just want to pause, Pat. If I could get your attention, y'all can't see this. Hold on, I'm actually going to take a screenshot of this. Hold on. Wait. Uh, behind Mike on the video here is a uh, a bone, a shape, a bone shaped welcome sign with a pug on it so it's got a it's painted it's got a painted pug with what i'm zooming in maybe a lily pad mike what is that to the left of the uh, pug there's some dandelions and maybe dandelion some, maybe some daisies is that, what kind of bug is gotta, that floating i got to tilt up a little bit though because there's a better sign oh there's it. another pug on duty here beware pug on duty okay, that's what you got a screenshot right there yeah okay just check in i I, I it's I can't get it. Yeah. Oh, here we go. All right, we got it. I'm gonna make this my new Twitter avatar. There we go. I'm gonna have Eric tweet this out. <laughs> this is ju- this is just tremendous content for an audio medium. Yeah, no, it is because none of you can see this. That's why you're gonna have to follow at Dying Pod on Twitter. Yeah, because that's where all this <clears throat> extra content will be. Uh, I, I, I do have one last question. No, please, yes. Uh, it's from Zayad. It's a three-part question. All oh, boy. I love, okay. Ooh. Uh, what does the lineup look like now that Bukestad and Gino are out, specifically the bottom six? Well, I mean, Agazino and... Um, Sam Lafferty. Thank you. Or uh, both got called up, so that would be the answer to that question. That was his second question. Do you see us running with call-ups from Wilkesbury or any trades? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I think McCann becomes your second line center. Bluger goes up to three C, and one of those two call ups goes to four C. Here's another follow-up question, Patrick. Well, don't also undersell the fact that Dominic Simone may get time at center, too. All right, so both of you are clairvoyant. Follow-up was thoughts on Dominic Simone as 3C or 4C. See, the, the issue, yeah. the, I want to say I, I know that he'll probably um, he'll have time there. I don't think Sullivan wants to move him off of Sid's wing. Yeah, it's possible, too. Anything's possible. Yeah, I'm just gonna let that lie. <laughs> That's true, Mike. What a, you know, and on that, let's just go ahead and end it there. Um, I am going to more than likely at some point this week produce a video analysis of all the little tiny things I think Brandon Tanev is doing well. I like it. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything penguin related to plug. Um, I did have my first. PIHO hockey game to shoot tonight for the Mon Valley Independent. Shot Ringgold versus Morgantown. Uh, shout out to my colleague Jose Negron. He gave me shit last week for not shouting him out, so there you go. I'm sure I'm going to have something on Penn's blog in the next few days. Um, I also have been writing a lot of recaps and previews for KDKA, so keep an eye on that. There we go. That's the whole show. That's all we got. We'll be back next week. Damn right. Oh, oh by the way, it, it, here's the other thing. We, we teased an announcement. Just stay tuned. Okay, don't get your britches in it. Okay, things – we have attorneys. Okay, there's things involved. There's You wouldn't understand. Our people high are talking level, to their people. High level, high level executive stuff going on here. Okay. Um, uh, Jesse, quick question for you. Yeah. Just, I happened to check my phone and I see a late correspondence. Have at it. What's that parking lot in the strip district for Penn's games? Oh, yeah. So it's right under 279. Uh, that's going to be at the corner of, uh, you're going to be right around 1400 Penn Avenue. Okay. That was from, it's next that was, to the fire station. It's that right was next from to the fire Aaron station. Schuster and I didn't want him, I didn't want him to wait another week in case he was. Yeah. 1400 Penn Right by the fire station under uh, 279. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week, folks. Stay tuned, and uh, thanks for listening. Okay. See you guys. See you.